Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. As we return to our Sunday morning series through the book of beginnings. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. Amen. Last time I preached a message from verse 1 on how God finishes the work that He begins. He finished the work of creation. He finished the work of redemption. And if you will place your faith and trust in Him, He will finish the good work that He has begun in you. God finishes what He begins. Trust God with your life. He can do a far better job with your life than you ever will. As we move on to verses 2 and 3 this morning, we come today to day 7 of God's creative week. We saw in chapter 1 how God created everything in six literal days. And now on the seventh day, with God having ended His work, we find that God rested. (laughs) Sorry, I just had an Andy Griffith flashback where... Remember the preacher comes to town and he's preaching everybody, you know, just slow down. And Barney says, boy, you can't preach enough about that. Sin. Amen. Just just completely messes it. Because he sleeps through the whole thing. God rested. And I want to consider this from two perspectives. One is the physical aspect. One is the spiritual aspect. Both are very important. Both are necessary. Let's begin with the physical aspect, which will build into why it's beneficial spiritually. First, let us agree that God does not get tired. There are actions that our God grows weary of in our rebellion to Him. Just read the book of Malachi. But God does not grow tired physically from exertion. And honestly, if somebody says they have a God and that God gets tired, are they even really a God? Well, they're certainly not the Almighty God. Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord... The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. He does not get tired like you and I do. The Hebrew word for rested in verses 2 and 3 can be used in many different ways and applications. One way that it is sometimes translated is the word cease. When God rested, He was simply ceasing from His creative works that He had done in the first six days. Nothing more needed to be done in order for creation to be complete. God had already declared it very good at the conclusion of day six. It was perfect. So if God does not tire from exertion, what are we to learn from this idea of God resting? 
I think, first of all, it's important to remember from chapter 1 that we have been created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, I believe God was setting an example for us that it's very beneficial to have rest in our life. God, from the very beginning, is giving us the picture that we are to labor six days and we are to rest one day in a seven-day week, right? God's giving us that example here. And since God created us, He knows best how we are, how we function. He knows what's best for us. God here, He works for six days, but then He rested for one. Exodus 31.17 says, It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. God, being our example, having been created in His image, we read in Exodus 23 and in verse 12, Six days thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest, and thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thine handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. Just as God did, so are we to do. God set the example that the seventh day is to be a day of rest and refreshment. To be refreshed is simply to slow down and it literally means to breathe. We might use it this way. It's a day to catch our breath. To just slow down. Did you know God designed you to rest? This may only be for the small segment of workaholics in our congregation. (laughs) But God has designed your body to need rest. You are not meant to work indefinitely without a day of rest. God's principle is to work six days and rest one. And if you're violating this, you need to get it right. Preachers are the worst at it. Now, let me be clear, in this day and age of laziness, where that seems to be the norm, I appreciate anyone with a strong work ethic. Looking back, I am so glad that my dad instilled a good work ethic in my life. And he practiced what he preached. No one will ever be able to say of my dad, that he was not a hard worker. As I was studying this, I was moved to text my dad and let him know, I love you and I'm thankful for all the hard work you did in my life. Well, my mom was the one who answered that text. (laughs) Where's my text? I worked hard. So I said, I was just about to text you. And then I sent her this ridiculous text where I was like, you're awesome, you work so hard, I love you, 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 I love you. So mom, we all know you worked hard as well. Where am I at? In the day and age of laziness, I'm, I'm appreciative of those who work. Before my daughter was married and still in the home, as often as it came up, I reminded her, don't you marry a lazy bum but find a man that has a work ethic. And now I hope to instill 
the proper kind of work ethic in my three boys. I'm just saying work is necessary. Second Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Anybody see the guy on the corner here coming into church? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not hungry. Race car parts are expensive. What did he say? Oh, I'm not homeless. Race car parts are expensive. Um, people just wanting money for doing nothing. Now, I'm determined the next time somebody's asking for money right there, I'm going to point to the Wendy sign that says, now hiring for 12 to $14 an hour. Okay, we're getting off track. 1 Timothy 5.8, But if any provide not for his, own, for his own, and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is lower down than an infidel. Work is important. We'll see in Genesis chapter 3 that God is going to tell Adam, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. In other words, you have to work to eat. In Proverbs, we're warned not to be a sluggard or to be slothful in labor particularly as it relates to us laboring in the fields to provide food. Work is good, it's necessary, but don't deny yourself that day of rest in the process. You are not meant to keep up a pace of non-stop work. Let me just go ahead and get this out. I don't even think it's in my notes, but I feel like saying it. We live in a day and age where there's plenty of pagans who can work on Sunday for you. I know if you're in the military, you're a first responder, you're the, I get it. But for some of us, that's, that's not the case. And you should be able to go to your employer and say, I am not working on Sunday. Amen. You are meant to rest. And if you violate this principle, you're heading for a breakdown at some point in your life. And God is leading you to a place where He is going to force you to rest. There are three general laws which govern our life. There are physical laws, there are societal laws, and there are spiritual laws. And if we refuse to flow in harmony with the laws that God has established in these categories, we're going to suffer the consequences. For the sake of this message, I just want to briefly consider some of the physical laws, or really just one here. If you violate the physical laws which govern our body, and our physical existence, you're going to end up experiencing complications physically. For example, people who get completely stressed out, they're often just violating God's law of you needing a day of rest. Somebody comes and they complain about routine headaches. Sometimes it's because you're not getting enough rest. Could just be you're not drinking enough water. But anyway... And you may have a serious problem. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying sometimes a lot of the physical things that we wonder what in the world's going on, it's really because you're violating God's physical laws. God said you need a day of rest. And the fact is people are headed for a breakdown physically, emotionally, mentally because they are simply violating God's physical law of you needing to rest. Maybe you're not sleeping enough. Maybe you're not taking one day in six. But rather than acknowledge this need for rest, people instead seek for all kinds of other reasons and they try to bleed it into the other realms of God's law. Well, there must be a spiritual reason. No, it's just because you're not doing what God said to do what's right by your body sometimes. 
And so people look for all kinds of reasons. They end up feeling the way they do, but it could just be as something as simple as this principle. Some people say, well, I can't afford to take a day of rest. Listen, I'm telling you on the authority of God's Word, you cannot afford not to. You can't afford not to. Did I say that right? You can't afford not to. You need it. You need to be refreshed. And since God said so, since God's the one who established this principle, He's not going to be mad. He's not going to be displeased if you take a day of rest. Now, there's more to this than just physical benefits. More importantly, there is a spiritual aspect that God is getting at here on resting on day seven. Take note in verse three of our text, it says, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. There's something more going on here. God, He doesn't take any of the other days before and bless them. He doesn't take any of the first six days and sanctify them. God takes this one day, the seventh day, and He blessed it and He sanctified it. He hallowed it. He dedicated it. He declared it holy. He set this day apart from all others. When God instituted the law, He commanded the children of Israel that the seventh day was to be a day of rest. This day of rest was called the Sabbath day, which means an intermission. It's derived from the same word, rested, here in our text. This is so important to God, what we're talking about, that the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the day of Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt, do, thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Deuteronomy 5 and verse 12. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. So why is it so important that this day be hallowed or sanctified? I want you to understand that this day of rest is not set apart for you just to sit around and vegetate. Stay with me. It is not a time to just fudge, as we say in our house. Thank you, Levi. I think he got veg and fudge confused, and now we say we're going to sit around and fudge. (laughs) That's not when God instituted the day of rest, gave it by example in creation, commanded it under the law, and we'll see later on in this message uh, still today. When God instituted this, it was not so you could just sit around and watch your favorite TV show for eight hours on end. The truth is, God may have rested from His creative works 
but He did not cease from all work. Again, stay with me. When God rested on day seven, He still had things He was doing. You cannot use day seven to say, I'm going to do nothing at all. Jesus, He he healed a man on the Sabbath day. Remember that? Might have done it more than once, actually. It infuriated the religious Jews that Jesus would perform a miracle on the Sabbath. It wasn't that they were mad at the miracle. They were mad at the fact that He did it on the Sabbath, the day of rest. Because they had corrupted it by adding their oral traditions and things into it, that there were things that you just absolutely could not ever do. Jesus, though, He shows us by healing a man on the Sabbath that there are certain things that God intends for us to do even on a day of rest. Jesus said in response to them being upset in John 5, 17, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Jesus said, Even my Father shows you that He works on the seventh day. Though God had ceased from His creative work, according to Hebrews 1.3, He was still upholding all things by the word of His power. God was still governing nature. He was still providing for the preservation of His creation, even on the day of rest. Here's my point. God's day of rest was not a day of idleness. Therefore, the day of rest is meant for us to have a different focus than we do on the other six days. When God said, don't work on the Sabbath, God was saying, don't do any servile work. Because He says, you got to let your family rest, your servants rest, and even your animals rest. Don't do any servile work. You need that physical rest. Amen. You need it. But God wasn't saying don't just you know, sit around and do nothing. We are always to be in tune with our spiritual needs. And so God had another purpose. He had another benefit for you taking the seventh day and resting. The fact is, we cannot devote as much time to our spiritual needs because of the demands of the work week. It's okay to admit that. It's okay to admit that you're working 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day and you don't have as much time on one day off to focus on your spiritual needs as you do the other. There's a reason why God instituted this principle. And so we don't have as much time on those those days to be as focused because of the demands. Now, for sure, we ought to develop a daily prayer life. We ought to be in the Word of God daily. We ought to be drawing strength from that. We understand that. God wants, but, but God wants one day. Isn't, isn't it amazing how our God is not a hard taskmaster? He says, look, I'm going to give you six where you can work to your heart's content. Some of you need help with that. But there's one day that I need. God wants this day where you are going to set aside everything else And you're going to focus upon Him. Jesus said in Mark 2.27, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man 
for the Sabbath. It's not to be a drudgery. It's not to be something that we, we look down upon. It is for us. It is to help us. It is for our benefit. God intends for the day of rest to be a way to meet spiritual needs we otherwise find more difficult to do throughout the rest of the week. On this day, we embark on a holy work. It's a day of complete communion with God. It's a day of nothing but praise and thanksgiving to God. It's it's to be a day without distractions from the secular world. Yes, we're supposed to do those things I just mentioned all the time. You should be praising God. Amen? You should be thankful. You should be in communion with Him all the time. I get that. But this is one day that is a special day when the primary objective for the whole day is to be entirely focused on God because it is good for our spiritual health. It's not only good for our physical health, but it is good for our spiritual health. And that's why God wants you to slow down and get in line with Him. This is why we have bitter Christians. Because you're not taking time to fellowship with God. And all of this doesn't mean anything to you. Now, we're no longer under the law covenant. Hallelujah. We're under the new covenant. Therefore, this keeping of this day isn't an express command as it once was. But I want to suggest to you that since this principle existed here in creation, it existed under the law, that it is still beneficial for us today. If it existed before the law and it shows up in the New Testament, you need to compare that and see if it's what God is saying. This is a principle that I have for everybody of all ages. I believe this is one of those. But instead of the last day of the week, that God observed after He finished creation, we now celebrate a new work of God. We celebrate the work of redemption being complete. And in doing that, we now set aside the first day of the week as being sanctified, hallowed, blessed. Why? Well, notice that God rested on the seventh day after His work of creation was finished. Now that we're celebrating the new work, we're celebrating what was finished upon the first day of the week. God was showing a principle of working six, finishing the work, resting one, after He made His work of creation. Now we have the work of redemption, and we look at that, and we observe it just like God did here in the Old Testament in Genesis. So Matthew uh, 28 and verse 1, we understand the first day of the week because this is when Christ arose from the grave. In the end of the, it's interesting that Matthew 21 has this phrase. The other Gospels don't. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the, toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. <laughs> That'd be like our church, Mike, and the other Mike, and the other Mike, and the other Mike. Mike New Underwood. Um, well, that's what Magdalene is. It's not her last name. It's where she's from. Amen. Mike of the Central Hills, Mike of the Rapid City. Okay. Um, They came to the sepulcher, but of course we know Jesus, He appeared unto the women because He had risen again on the first day of the week. And then the evening, that same evening, Jesus appeared to the disciples when they were gathered together. John chapter 20 and verse 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, 
when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Jesus was putting His approval upon the gathering together of His people on the first day of the week because it was the first time that He showed up to them. And then a week later on the first day of the week, Jesus showed up again, and that's when He proved to Thomas that He, that he had risen. Um, there was a developing pattern there early on, on the first day that Jesus arrived, uh, first day that Jesus rose again of the first day of the week. And then we see in the Bible in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. But read it closely. After he raised old boy that fell from the loft up from the dead, he preached until the breaking of day. Whoop. 1 Corinthians 16.2 Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. There was a pattern that started in John 20 and it begins throughout the early church upon the first day of the week. The first day of the week became known as the Lord's Day because it was on the day that the Lord resurrected. In Revelation 1 in verse 10, John, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day which would have been the first day of the week. So instead of the Sabbath day, which was on the last day of the week, we now recognize the first day of the week, or the Lord's day. We recognize it as holy, as sanctified and hallowed, because it's the day when Christ rose again, which is what makes our faith real and living. Amen. And because the old covenant has been nailed to the cross, Sunday is now the day which is sanctified, and this is now the day that we observe as a physical day of rest in order to focus on our Lord and on our own spiritual needs. Amen. It's the Lord's day. We devote it entirely to Him. Did you know it's okay to be back tonight at 6 o'clock? Did you know that? It's the Lord's day. Amen. It's devoted to Him. Amen. What am I getting at? I'm trying to emphasize that part of your spiritual exercises, you don't sit around, you don't vegetate or fudge, you don't do nothing, right, on your day of rest, but I'm trying to tell you that there is a spiritual thing that you're supposed to be doing. And part of that, spiritually, is for you to gather together with the saints of God. Amen. That we gather around His Word. God, He steps back on day six, He looks at His creation, He calls it very good, and then He rested on the seventh day. We now take a step back. We view God's redemption. We understand that it is very good and we celebrate it on the Lord's day. Amen. Ezekiel 20 and verse 12, Moreover also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. It is a reminder of our sanctification that we have in God. Therefore our day of rest is a remembrance that the Lord has redeemed us by His blood, amen, and His sacrificial death, and that He rose again, making all of this a reality. And if you will learn to set aside this Lord's day as holy, you'll find great blessings in honoring Him. Amen. I've given this testimony before, I can't remember when, but back when I was active duty, and I was studying for E5, I went to my pastor and I said, I don't know what to do, I really got to study for this promotion, I feel like I just can't be back tonight. He said, you need to put God first. 
And I'm so glad I did. He said, if you'll honor God, he'll help you. And I got promoted. I'm not saying prosperity gospel. I'm just saying honor God. Honor God. Set aside the Lord's day. There's blessings in honoring Him. And I hope you understand that by you coming and gathering together with the saints, it's to help you when you're out there in the world the rest of your week. I don't think I need to convince you that we live in a wicked, sin-sick, sin-filled, perverted world where you need to come apart, gather around God's Word and His people, be refreshed, be encouraged, be exhorted to go back out there and do it again. (laughs) Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath... What is he saying here? Let me just read the whole thing. It'll make sense in context. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable, and shall honor Him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. In other words, God was telling them that if you'll stop doing your own thing on the day of rest, and if you'll keep this day as holy, delightful, and honorable, then you will be blessed of God. Some of you are backwards with God. You're not honoring Him. Church to you is work. Well, let's get it over with. Let's hope there's not a special so we can get out early. That's why I'm dragging this out just a little bit longer to make sure. Are you honoring God on your day of rest? Now, I want to close by giving you the greater spiritual lesson here, okay? We've talked about how it benefits you physically, individually, how it benefits you spiritually by resting physically and focusing on God now that you're not focusing physically. And now I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and I'll be brief. Hebrews chapter 4. In the previous chapter of Hebrews, the penman tells us not to harden our hearts as that generation which came out of Egypt did while in the wilderness. And because of their hard hearts and unbelief, God said, they shall not enter into my rest. They were warned, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And if you're there, you'll see that chapter 3 ends with, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. They could not enter into God's rest. With that, I want to read verses 1 through 10 of chapter 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into His rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we have believed, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest." Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. 
Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not have after, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. So God has a rest that he wants everybody in here to enjoy. In fact, he wants all of mankind to know what this rest is all about. It is a perpetual rest. He, he doesn't want any to come short of it, but he wants us all to enter in. So how do we get this rest that God is talking about and that He showed us in Genesis chapter 2? Well, verse 2 here in Hebrews chapter 4, it's by believing the gospel by faith. Amen. It's by believing that Jesus was virgin born, that He lived a sinless life, and then that He became sin for us upon the cross that He might redeem us. It's believing that He was buried, but He rose again victorious and that He is now ascended to God's right hand. And look at what it says in verse 3 here. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Those of us who have believed the gospel, we have entered into God's rest, or at least we should be. And, And although Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and though the work of redemption is already complete, You can only be made partakers of that rest by going to Christ in faith. And then in verse 4, we get the example of our text in Genesis chapter 2. And God did rest the seventh day from all His works. Now we see here in verses 9 and 10, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now, I want you to get this in closing. People all over the place are looking for God's rest. Or something, they may not even know to put it in those words. But they're looking for it. But instead of looking to Christ and His finished work on the cross, they are still looking to their own works. They're trying to earn God's favor. They're trying to work all these good works and hope that one day it will outweigh the bad. But the Bible is clear that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And and people are are even trying to look to their, their church for salvation. Like somehow if you join this church, you'll be right with God. That's not true. We want you to join the church, but listen, that doesn't save you. So people look to the baptistry waters. Well, if I get dunked, then surely that's going to mean I'm right with God. It's another form of work, basically, because it's something man has to do for you. Right? Christ said, if you want my rest, all you have to do is come unto me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You're never going to find rest for your soul in trying to work your way to God because there will always be doubt on whether or not you've done enough good. There is no rest. There is no ceasing from works. But in Christ alone you can enter into God's rest. 
And it is in God's rest where you realize that you can cease from your own works just as God ceased from His on the seventh day. And once you find this place of rest, you'll find yourself now serving God out of love and gratitude. And can I just preach for a minute? Listen, we got believers that believe that somehow if I just do more works, God is going to look favorably upon my life and He'll do what I ask Him to do. Amen. And God here is trying to teach us on day seven of creation, you have got to rest from your works because you aren't good enough. You can't save yourself. You can't earn God's favor. Well, if, if, if maybe if I just joined the choir, Brother Long. Hey, I wouldn't mind to have them standing up on the side right there. Amen. We'll pack in. Amen. Anyway, I, I just got off track there with Brother Long. I was thinking how his hair matches his new car. I think I might do two silhouette pictures of the 47 Hudson and the 77 Long. And, uh, have you entered into God's rest? Believer and non-believer. If you're a non-believer, you haven't. Have you, have you entered into God's rest? Listen, are you honoring God? Are you giving Him one day? Are you resting physically or are you heading for a breakdown? God may be forcing you to rest here in a minute. Where are you at in all this? If you're not saved, can I tell you the work's already finished? Christ shed His blood. He paid for our redemption. All you got to do is receive it by faith alone. It's a free gift, but the only way to receive it is to go to Him. As the hymn writer penned, there is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. Do you need this rest today? Listen, cease from your own works and trust in God's. Let's pray.